realize that you can watch all of the shit that's out there. Don't let either company trick you into thinking it's a us versus them thing. Just enjoy the wrestling. Whether it's WWE or AEW or NXT, you guys don't have to choose. You can watch it all. That's rad. Fight forever, Guardian! I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to paraphrase the great dean of credibility, Dean Dixon. Welcome to the... I was going to say the next, the latest. You're listening to the latest. Well, I almost had that down. Episode of HIAC Talk Radio. I am your host, the other guy, Dan Calchico. Dan Law, 83 on all social media platforms. With me is Craig Lagans. He's on all social media platforms that really, really hard. It's Craig Lagans. Um, speaking of hard, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, speaking of uh, the credibility, happy birthday to our founder and our guru, uh, one of the best play-by-play men in wrestling history. And one of my best friends, uh, happy 20th birthday. <laughs> That's not true. Happy, the birthday part is true. He's not 20. Uh, happy birthday to uh, my good friend, Dean, double D, Dean Dixon. Uh, without you, there would be no us. Yes. Um, so happy thank birthday, you. double D. Thank you. Happy birthday, double D. Uh, words uh, escape me, as always. Um, I don't know what's wrong with me. So uh, there's not much to talk about in this well, week in wrestling unless I miss something, sir. Oh, unless you have an update on this. Uh... Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> I wasn't watching. I was watching the NBA pre-show. Go ahead, Craig. Why don't you tell me what's going on? Hi, Dan. Uh, well, thank you for having me, and uh, happy birthday again, Dean. Thank you for letting me be a part of your universe uh, through your friendship or through my friendship with Dan. Dan, I got to be introduced to you and that introduced me to the show, and that has me here. So I owe you a great debt, sir. Thank you. Okay. And, happy, and happy 21st birthday. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, he's nice and legal now. Uh, we lost uh, another one uh, to uh, this week in uh, pro wrestling, uh, another uh, wrestler from the WWE. Um, and this time wasn't uh, released. Oh, um, that's right. I forgot, sir. He, his contract just ran out and he wasn't re-signed or he didn't re-sign. Unlike, uh, unlike AJ Styles, unlike Kevin Owens, unlike uh, Sammy Callahan. Amy, I mean, Sammy Zayn, I'm sorry. Unlike, that's okay. Else. That's okay. I understand why you said that name. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't re-sign, so he just, the contract ended and he just wasn't resigned, so he's left. So after 11 years, uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Claudio Cesaro is no longer a WWE superstar. Yeah. um, It's funny. It's funny you mention that because I also saw the video that Up Up Down Down put up Mm -hmm. uh, as a 
as a uh, tribute to him, which was it. I thought it was it was odd to me because I was like, well, he's not going anywhere. I mean, he can still do the channel unless he's going somewhere else, which I don't know whether we confirm can confirm nor deny. But um, I saw people say that uh, he was unmemorable, un unmemorable in the WWE. But I guess it's because I liked him because of his local ties. Yeah. But I always paid attention to him mm -hmm. because I, I don't know, Craig, from your perspective on the outside of things, even though he was, he was a big name locally to you as well, because we're from the same mm -hmm. area. Um, mm -hmm. I just got a big shock on, on NBA TV. I'm sorry. Let me break in real quick. JJ Reddick's announcer now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> Multitasking folks. Um, I, I thought he got attention. Now, I, I mean, he should have. It's just another guy that should have been the ruler of the world for at least some point, uh, amount of time and never seemed to do that. He'll always be remembered for the guy that got his teeth shoved up into his gums with the turnbuckle. But um, I, I think he's a man who's not. I think he's a great wrestler. I don't think he's underrated at all. I think it just needs a belt somewhere. He was a guy that had a memorable run at in the WWE, uh, the way he came in and the way he stayed, he'll, he'll be remembered as the first ever winner of the Andre the Giant Battle Royal from picking up Big Show because he was, and they said it every time he was on the air, pound for pound, maybe the strongest wrestler in the company, um, spoke six languages. For a brief moment, he was a Paul Heyman guy. And whenever the crowd got behind him, when he was pushed accordingly the crowd got behind him and the wwe just ignored it just like they did with rusev just like they did with uh well yeah and what i would say with, with bray wyatt but bray wyatt was at least given a world title run uh a couple of times but they all but they dropped the ball with that as well so we but with cesaro uh they, when he got a momentum and he got a push and the audience was into him and wanted to see him more, you put him with Paul Heyman, the best possible person you can put him with. And Paul Heyman spent all the time talking about Brock Lesnar while in the ring with Cesaro, your, your next guy. Why Cesaro couldn't, wasn't, and that's one thing the WWE always has been known to do. Is drop a guy when he's had when the crowd is telling you how much they love him, do something with him, give him more big wins, put him at the top of the card, and they ignore him. But they do what they've always done with indie guys: they break him down and teach him the wrestle the WWE way. So uh, Claudio Castagnoli was never allowed to shine in WWE. He had to be Antonio Cesaro, and then just Cesaro because Vince hates first names. <laughs> um oh, no. have you noticed that yeah no, no me no yeah uh, fans listeners have you noticed that how matt riddle is just now riddle and buddy murphy is then murphy and cesaro is cesaro and just uh, call matt riddle diddles yeah and on town rusev is with just rusev towards the end so because he hates first names for whatever reason but uh yeah and here he was treading water and even when he and like like Rusev Miro before him, he would reinvent himself or he'd get himself over again, and the fans would push him and 
the WWE again wouldn't listen to the fans. Uh, I now, like I said, his contract just lapsed, which meant there's no compete. So he can uh, he can obviously show up to another wrestling company whenever he wants. But I um, I actually agree with uh, Jim Cornette's suggestion. He suggested uh, that uh, Claudio, because he worked with him in the Ring of Honor, um, go away for six months, eight months, stay in shape, obviously, mm-hmm. come up with something new, right? something that people haven't seen. They already, they, they, people know you as Claudio, people know you as Cesaro, come back as somebody completely different. Something completely different, a new hold or something. Play on the fact that he speaks six languages. Something like I, I, I don't know how you incorporate that in wrestling, even though they mentioned it every time he was on the he was on the air. But uh, come up with something new, reinvent. He's still in phenomenal shape. I have no doubt that he he would stay in shape if he chose that route. But that's I think that's a sound suggestion because I don't want to see him in AEW tomorrow or tonight. Um, because we already see what happens to WWE guys. I mean, AEW guys fresh from a fresh from WWE. I mean, they've already Keith Lee. has already been one match and then nothing. I don't even know if he's going to be on tonight. And then you put him in a ladder match. Why would the super? Why would a super heavyweight like he? Why would you put him in a ladder match? The one match that he shouldn't be in. At all. Wait, when's this for? He just qualified. Now get this, Dan. They oh, just had qualified yeah. for the ladder match, and the three participants uh, are Keith Lee, Powerhouse Hobbs, and Wardlow. Three of your biggest super heavyweight guys that you could build a long-term program like with Keith Lee with. And you're putting them all together a week from now in a ladder match. The one match that all three of them don't need to be in. I have one solution for the ladder match. Yes. Uh, he goes in and kills all, all, all both of them in two minutes. He finds the ladder. And then we're done. We move on. Yeah. That's it. They won't do it. I know. Uh, but that's what it should be. Yeah. Straight up. 100%. No, no questions asked. What it should be is Keith Lee getting win after win, week after week after week on TV. But, but you pointed it out in his debut. It shouldn't have been 10 minutes. It should have been a two-minute squash. It should have been old-school NWA. Job. They should have gotten a guy that nobody knows and had Keith Lee in and kill him in two minutes, do a little thing about here I am, I'm here to kill people, and move on. Yeah. And what they did with him, and I, the 10-minute match that he did, I mean, it ended great because he wiped out the two, you know, one half of a tag team, wiped out, wiped them out, wiped them both out, and it made him look good. Do more of that with the 300 undercard wrestlers that we never see that wrestle on YouTube and just beat it to him for a month, two months, build up to a match with Hobbs, build up to a match with Wardwell, if that's where you're going. But keep him on TV and keep him from – he wrestles one match, and then the next week he's doing a backstage interview, and we never – he's never in the ring again, and we never see him again. I, I really hope 
uh, based on what you said that uh, Corny said, is that he just feels out the indies for a while and doesn't sign with TV. Do something a little different. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, if he wants to, if he wants the money. I mean, of course, sign. Yeah, sign I would. Sign I would Jake, but I'm just saying, but, as far yeah. if you don't need the money and you want to want to try a little bit, that guy can steal a show at any indie company. Yeah, Unfortunately, but, that means he'll be underpaid. That's why I said go away for six months because if he's been with WWE for eleven years, I'm really hoping that he doesn't need the money because if you've been with that company for eleven years, you should be okay. I'm just trying to cover all bases. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 because we and we've watched him and we've you know I I thought when he and and Hero were in uh, Ring of Honor they were uh, they were the best heel tag team in Ring of Honor and even then when I heard Cornette talk about it, he that was his Midnight Express he wanted to keep those guys heel and bring in whatever babyface team or even turn a team face like the Briscoes or uh, Benjamin and Haas or um, uh, Eddie Edwards and um, uh, the other guy uh, to make them uh, because they were a great tag team. And he knew once they signed with, with WWE, they were going to break them up because that's right. WWE does. Yep. They break them up and, you know, give them stupid gimmicks and <laughs> change their names. And yep. the thing that made them what they were in the first place, we're just going to take that all away and just, you know, make you someone or something else that we can market and or we can just make stupid. Uh, so Claudio Castagnoli, Antonio Cesaro is no longer a WWE superstar. So uh, yeah, if he worked, but see the thing is Dan, I like your idea of indies, but I don't want him on TV. Get him away from everything. Keep him out of sight. And come back completely new, invigorated with some brand new character or something that people haven't seen before. They'll know it's you, but don't go to GCW either. No, no, that's just that's just me. Uh, but as far as wrestling go, that's the only thing that's happened this week of any substance. You made me nervous. I thought you were looking up and somebody. Was coming out in AEW, then I realized it wasn't even eight o'clock yet. So <laughs> never mind. Uh, well, that that being said, Craig, time to take us uh, back in time, back and back and back and back in time. Well, Dan, it's funny you should mention back in time because as you can see by my attire, I'm wearing the college jersey of the single greatest basketball player ever on God's green earth because this is a special day, not only in wrestling history but in sports history. I'm wearing the jersey. This is the number and the college that was uh, the number that was worn um, in Kansas uh, by the great Wilton Norman Chamberlain, born right here, Philadelphia. Greatest basketball player of all time. But for now, I'm going to switch gears and we honor that this person in history, but we're going to honor wrestling. In wrestling history, because we're going to go back in time in a week when different organizations, Dan, different, even competing organizations work together to put on the best show possible for the fans, where other promoters, head bookers of different wrestling organizations can make an agreement, not even 
a face-to-face in a boardroom over the phone and stuff will get done. Back when tag teams were tag teams and big um, titles change hands, they actually meant something. And we're also going to celebrate the birth of some of the greatest wrestlers of all time. And I got to dress accordingly because this Ladies and gentlemen, whoa, sorry, calm down, calm down. We're here, we're good, we're good. Say hi, say hi. Hi, Amber. He's on my lap this whole time, and then I woke her up, and here we are. So this, ladies and gentlemen, is the wrestling historian. Nice. Uh, We're going to start out uh, February 26th uh, this week in uh, wrestling history. Um, A very um, crazy day. In a wrestling, because we had two mat, two cards that took place in the World Wrestling Federation territory in 1973, in two different places, one in Madison Square Garden and one at the Boston Garden at the same time. This wasn't an afternoon show and then an evening show. These were what? two shows, one in Madison Square Garden and one in the Boston Garden that took place on that same time that night. On February 26, 1973, thanks to a handshake deal between Vince McMahon Sr. and Eddie Graham, uh, they got to uh, exchange talent. And we got a card for the ages in Madison Square Garden and a similar card in the Boston Garden. On February 26, 1973, in Madison Square Garden, we had Terry Funk from Florida uh, defeated Chuck Richards. Victor Rivera from the WWF defeated Terry's father, Dory Funk Sr. <gasps> also on the card, uh, Mike Graham defeated the Continental Nobleman, Joe Turco. Uh, and later on, in Madison Square Garden, the AWA heavyweight champion, Vern Gagne, defeated Mike's father, Eddie Graham. So you had the Mike and Eddie Graham and Terry and Dory Funk Dory Funk Sr. wrestling on a WWF card. And the main event that night was the WWF champion, Pedro Morales, defeating King Curtis. Wow. King Curtis. Yeah. The name and, I have not heard in a long time, King Curtis. And to make it even more uh, what, what could have been, Eddie Graham uh, stepped in and wrestled. He accompanied Mike Graham for that trip. Uh, to Madison Square Garden, because that was Mike Graham's first bout in Madison Square Garden. But Eddie Graham wasn't supposed to wrestle Vern Gagne that night. Uh, Eddie Graham was a last-minute substitute because the person who didn't make it that night that Vern Gagne was supposed to wrestle was Ray Stevens. Ah. So Vern Gagne and Ray Stevens would have been in Madison Square Garden. The AWA heavyweight title defended in Madison Square Garden uh, same day... Pedro Morales defended the WWF title uh, against King Curtis. But over at the Boston Garden, at the same time, uh, there's a six-man tag team match. Uh, Sonny King, Chief J. Strongbow, and Gorilla Monsoon took on the team of Mr. Fuji, Professor Tanaka, and Chuck O'Connor, who we now know as Big John Stud. Ah, Big John, really Big John. Uh, the main event was Bruno Sammartino defeated Moondog Maine. But also on that undercard, beautiful Bobby Shane 
defeated a what lost to Jack Briscoe. So you had Bruno Sammartino and Jack Briscoe on the same card. Uh, Bobby Shane, uh, we know the name. Uh, uh, he would uh, tragically lose his life uh, a year later, uh, thanks to uh, then that plane crash that Ric Flair was in. Uh, beautiful Bobby Shane well, is also the man responsible for giving Jerry Lawler the crown you know, that he wore as the king of wrestling. Uh, and yeah, so thank you, Bobby Shane. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you, Bobby Shane. Nothing happened. Nothing ever happened. Nobody missed anything. Continue, oh great one. I was saying that on this day, February 26, 1973, 73, in Boston Garden, Madison Square Garden, you had the WWF, the NWA, and the AWA all coming together to promote two great shows on the same night. Ah, the good old days. Ah, Choices. Good. Choices locally, too. Not just yeah. on TV. Locally. If you wanted to go to one or the other, you take a train, ride the car, and see one of these shows. Not just, you know, TV choices. Those were the day. I don't know. I wasn't born yet. But we, I see even when I was a kid, there was choices. You want to go up north to see WWF? You want to go 10 minutes to the left and go see WC or NWA, WCW? Yeah. You know, choices. Choices. We missed that. Um, but but uh, February 28th, um, a happy belated, happy belated 68th birthday to the man I still consider the greatest working babyface of all time. And with all due respect to Mr. Perfect, the to all due respect to Kurt Henning, uh, the one Mr. Perfect. Uh, I know Ricky Steamboat. Happy belated birthday to Ricky Steamboat. I mean. Not a lot of people are going to argue with you. No, and to me, uh, the guy was, did it. I don't see any flaw in Ricky Steamboat. Um, he looked great, worked great. Everything was flawless in the ring. Uh, Had a great baby face promo. Yes. Men loved him. Women loved him. Kids loved him. Uh, the the smile, and he had a body that that was drawn in Marvel from Marvel Comics. Um, the the guy just did everything flawlessly. And you talk about the two of the greatest matches of all time, or people think the greatest matches of all time, uh, Flair versus Steamboat, and pick any of them, or and Flair or and uh, Steamboat versus Randy Savage at WrestleMania three. The common denominator: Ricky Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. Yeah, as good as those two were. Ricky yeah. Steamboat. Ricky Steamboat. So, yeah, happy 68th birthday to the Dragon. Still, uh, happy... when he when he did that return in WWE in the late 10s, yeah. probably could outwork half that roster even to that day. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and you saw the way that, that uh, Jericho took those arm drags because he's the only one that could, that could throw them like that still. And Making the rounds now is now that they're both in AEW. Uh, the the Daniel the Brian Danielson CM Punk match from Ring of Honor that Ricky Steamboat was a special guest referee for. Uh, um, and after the bout that uh, Punk lost, um, it was uh, he attacked Steamboat and Steamboat reversed it, gave him a karate chop, arm drag, and another karate chop, and the fans went nuts. Chanting, you still got it. You still got it. 
Um, amazing. He even yeah. he even makes me want to watch Lex Luger matches. Him and Luger had a great match at, I believe it was Clash of Champions. No, not that one. The match at Great American Bash '89, yes. the U.S. title match. Right. It ended with it ended in the DQ with it. It's a great match. It's a great match, yeah. and I can't stand Lex Luger as a wrestler, as a person, really either for person for well, not personal reasons, but for obvious reasons. But the point is. That's one of like four or five Luger matches that I get great joy out of watching. Uh, mostly because of Steamboat. Yeah. It's getting a basket. Um, March, March 1st, um, yesterday in the wrestling history, uh, we talked about him uh, earlier or before we um, went on the air or while we were on the air. You guys were in here. Um, happy belated. 57th birthday to Booker T. Huffman. Ah, yes. Booker T., man, I'm so happy. Sometimes when he does, it's one of those things where I won't question him because he's a wrestler and the hell do I know? But sometimes when he's talking about indie wrestlers, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't understand where you're coming from, but I'm like, I'm Booker T. I kind of mess with Booker T. But I, it's like a bittersweet thing because I mean, Harlem Heat accomplished yeah. anything they were going to accomplish together. So when they broke up, it was, I was sad, but Booker T, best at the best of seven series, that whole program between Benoit, him, and Finley was great. Yeah. Uh, Booker T and Jarrett bringing the house down in the midst of the BS at Bash of the Beach 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, Booker T's run in general in WCW as world champion, which a lot of people kind of they kind of cast aside. It's weird when I hear about the Booker T, the, the WCW evasion uh, angle, mm -hmm. and Booker T kind of gets pushed aside into the nobodies, and I'm like, I I don't I, even if he couldn't cut a promo. How is he getting cast aside into that discussion when he's like one of the best wrestlers on the field at, at any time? Yeah. I, I love working too. Uh, you know, I loved Harlem Heat. I loved watching them wrestle the Steiner brothers and, and um, excuse me, the outsiders later on. And I even liked the uh, Stevie Ray commentary sometimes on Thunder. It was sometimes the only thing on Thunder worth watching. But uh, yeah, no, I I love Booker T. Never does not get enough credit. I'm glad he has that King Booker thing because I can always bring up King Booker. People are like, ah, yes, when he's doing that terrible English accent, I'm like, exactly, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the dumbest thing ever, and I mean that in the most genuine, happy way possible. But Booker T will be one of the greats. Will go down as one of the greats. Period. Uh, WWE Hall of Famer, uh, two time. Hall of Famer, uh, Harlem Heat, arguably the greatest team in WCW history. They've had the most title reigns in WCW tag team history, more than the Steiners. Uh, and uh, he and Stevie Ray are indeed brothers, as opposed to so many other brothers in professional wrestling that aren't related to each other at all. Uh, he and Stevie Ray are actually brothers. And, you know, we talked about so many tag teams, you know, through the years and where you can tell who the who the good one not the good one is but who the one that sticks out you know you look at the hard foundation you knew it was brett you know you look at the uh uh, uh 
the Edge and Christian. Yeah, I knew it was Edge. You know, Edge was the guy. Um, sorry. Um, I'm watching the same thing you are. Edge yeah. and Christian, you knew Edge was the guy. <laughs> Edge and Christian, you knew Edge was the guy. Um, even the, the Blackjacks, I knew Mulligan was the, Mulligan was the one. Uh, and with with Harlem Heat, you know, Booker T, he just the guy just had the moves, the, the, his charisma. Where he would miss an elbow drop and go right into a spinner spinner which was his move. He, before he started doing it on purpose, he would go for an elbow drop. He would miss, and then he would just spin, and crowd would go nuts. Uh, you know, and fans knew it. And fans, like we talked about with Cesaro earlier, when the fans got behind someone they could tell this guy is really good just like they did with Bret Hart when he was part of the Hart Foundation they knew he was people could see people with eyes can see this guy you know on the second or third card during a Hulk Hogan on top but we knew that Bret Hart was the best wrestler you know in the building that night period yeah period on the end of story and people saw that with Booker T you know with saw what the guy can do and especially with a guy that height that can move that well um, and the fact that he got himself yeah. over and he got to uh, to um, go out on his own outside of Harlem Heat, got pushed by WCW, you know, after the NWO and everything and uh, got to be world champion. Uh, whether or not it was because of the Vince Russo thing or because the fans wanted it, uh, it happened. And he was recognized as the world champion and didn't think it would ever going to happen in WWE, and neither did he, especially not after the uh, Hunter match at WrestleMania um, that Hunter will still get heat for for intentionally burying him. He should. As much as I praised Hunter, sometimes he shouldn't. No. And I, I don't praise Hunter a lot for what he does during his wrestling career. I'll praise him to the heavens for what he's done for NXT. Well, that's what and, I meant. But yeah, <laughs> but no, never for his wrestling career. Understood. For that match with, uh, against Booker at, um, at WrestleMania, which is still embarrassing. But Straight still, up but disrespectful. Straight up. Incredible disrespectful. But Booker weathered it. He eventually did become a world champion in WWE three times. And um, again, put himself over. Did it, did it himself. And, you know, you can go back to his, his run on Impact, you know, had some, <laughs> some funny lines. The main event mafia, respect. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> respect. Um, but, yeah, he, was, he always entertained me. I've, I, and I've always been proud of him. If you watch his, um, I was going to say behind the music, um, his WWE documentary on himself. Uh, his upbringing, he spent a lot of time in jail, wasn't supposed to make it this far, you know, in life or, you know, just being alive. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, a um, yeah, I'm sorry. His interview with, uh, with JBL, um, uh, oh, great yeah, 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 uh, yeah uh, but a great guy. So happy 57th birthday to, um, Booker T and, uh, on that same day yesterday, March 1st, 1976. Uh, and back to Madison Square Garden we go, Dan. We're going back to Madison Square Garden. The main event, March 1st, 1976, Bruno Sammartino defeated Ernie Ladd in the main event in front of a sold-out crowd at Madison Square Garden. But on the undercard of that very show, 
defeating Pete Sanchez, who I remember from my days watching WWF television. Saturday mornings, Pete Sanchez was a mainstay. And I, now I know the word enhancement talent. Uh, but he would win a few matches, he and his, part, his tag team partner, Manuel Soto. But in this day, Pete Sanchez was on the undercard of the Bruno Sammartino Ernie Ladd main event. And Pete Sanchez lost to a debuting a week after his 27th birthday, nature boy, Ric Flair. Ah, made his Madison Square Garden debut March 1st, 1976. And it was such a big deal uh, that it made the, uh, the Wrestler magazine. And uh, the article was called Ric Flair Takes a Bite Out of the Big Apple. Because that was his Madison Square Garden debut. And he was already an NWA main eventer, um, 76, on his on the extension, on his way up. Already been Mid-Atlantic champion, but that was his, his maiden voyage. And when you get to a certain level in wrestling, whether in the NWA, AWA, world class, whatever, you debut, they call you Madison Square Garden. And it was a big deal, especially with seeing an NWA wrestler in Madison Square Garden was huge because the only time you could ever see them, the only time you heard about these NWA guys or these guys from another federation was in their wrestling magazines. And now here was Ric Flair. Um, and that was a big deal. And it still is a big deal. And uh, Ric Flair debuted March 1st, 1976 in Madison Square Garden, which brings us to today in pro wrestling history. On this very day in 1993, I was going to talk about the uh, the WCW TV tournament that was won by Paul Orndorff when he defeated Eric Watts in the finals. Um, should be. But I'm not going to talk about that. Or talk about the guys that uh, Eric Watts beat, one of them being Vinny Vegas, who we know is uh, Kevin Nash. Some guy. Uh, yeah, a couple of the other guys that were in the tournament that didn't do uh, too well were uh, Chris Benoit and Robbie V. <laughs> Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam. So, yeah, that was 1993. I think Rob's doing okay these days. Yeah, he's doing okay. Uh, and five years after that, though, those people that I mentioned would be a lot bigger than the uh, people that actually were in the finals of the WCW TV uh, title tournament. That year, on that same day, though, in a different part of the country, still in WCW, uh, March second, nineteen ninety three. I mean, no, we've talked about Dan. We've uh, we've talked about so many great champions on this podcast, and you know they'll be known for their title runs, or they're they're known for their their um uh, being associated with this belt. And uh, then we find out they only held it once. And this is a, another example of this. Um, this tag team, I consider the tag team of the 90s and was my favorite tag team at the time. And they won uh, their, the WCW Tag Team tor- Tag Team Championship today in 1993. Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat, the aforementioned Ricky Steamboat, lost the WCW Tag Team Championship to Brian Pillman, and Steve Austin, the Hollywood Blondes, for their first and only World Tag Team Championship. 
I cannot understate. And neither can Craig. And he and he just basically underst- understated it, or he just stated it plainly. <laughs> How amazing the Hollywood Blondes were and how they are still talked about as, and this is even before crazy flying Brian. This is before crazy Brian Pillman, the Booker man. Mm-hmm. This is before Stone Cold Steve Austin. How good those two were as a tag team. And they were only champion one time. That's how amazing they were. And it just and the circumstances, you know, Brian uh, hurt his ankle, ankle injury. He had to, they had to, um, uh, he had, he couldn't wrestle. Uh, Steven Regal was uh, Brian's partner. Uh, they lost the uh, tag team title. I think it was to, uh, to Pretty Wonderful, I believe, or some other makeshift. <laughs> um, that's Paul Roman, Paul Orndorff. Um, Listen, I liked Pretty Wonderful. I know I Paul like Roman. I, I know you do. Um, <laughs> I know Paul Roman gets cast aside, but I Paul Orndorff, man, made that guy shine. I mean, because that's what Paul Orndorff did. did. Yeah. I but, just wanted uh, you to know that I knew what the score was, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, but uh, so not only did they only hold it once, they never lost the tag team title uh, because when Pillman got injured. That's right. Yeah. And when Steven Regal stepped in and they lost the tag team titles and when Pillman came back, they turned him face. Austin by this time had gone solo and then been part of the Dangerous Alliance and their careers were going in separate ways. And we know the rest is history. Brian Pillman stayed in uh, WCW, perhaps longer than he should have. And uh, Steve Austin was unceremoniously released from WCW a lot sooner, maybe not soon enough. Yeah, for, I was going to say, thank God for, for that, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and they uh, reunited briefly in, in, the, in the WWE. And, of course, their former partnership was never mentioned at all because WCW doesn't exist in, in WWE land. But there, I, when you, I think Jr. or Kevin Kelly said former tag team partners one yeah, time. One time, yeah. Once. Probably, and they probably heard him in the year. Don't ever say that shit. Don't again. you ever say that again. I will eat your children for breakfast. Okay, but, sorry, man. But you can tell the 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 obviously the intense chemistry that that Kim, that uh, Brian and Steve Austin had even during their brief WWE run. And because they were legitimately best friends. And Steve Austin still wears a ring that uh, Brian gave him around his neck. Um, and he's never, it's never gone away. And he misses him every day. And <laughs> those guys were, those guys were magic. I think my favorite part about that is, other than the run itself, and how absolutely despising they were. Easy, were they, it was how easy it was to despise them. I know words. Yeah. Um, is how it came together. Like Austin has no idea, and Pillman rolls up on him backstage, and he goes, hey, I think we should wear matching vests or matching tights. We should have the same tights. Something about gear. He goes, what yeah. are you talking about? Goes, We're tag team partners. We got we, we to gotta come up with matching gear and, and a finishing move. We're not tag team partners. No, we're tag team partners. <laughs> That's the best part. And as mad as Steve was, and I would be too, Yeah. Um, God damn, did they make that work? Yeah. God damn. And you know what's you know what's weird about it? 
And maybe it's retros- maybe it's in retrospect because he did become Steve Austin, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Is I'm I'm in about I'm late now, I'm like December '92 on the chronological list. Mm-hmm. It's a slog. Some of it's bad. Some of it's really good. Some of it's really bad. So sometimes I'll go months without watching another one. Mm-hmm. It's how good Steve Austin is anyway. Yes. And then you think, who who saw this guy and was like, nah? Like I don't I don't get it. He's an, he was an amazing wrestler. I, like mm-hmm. everybody talks about Stone Cold and the gimmick and what was done on TV, but you know the matches are almost an afterthought sometimes, or most of the time. Sometimes it's mentioned, but the match the guy was a general. That's why he was called the friggin' ringmaster. Thank God it wasn't for long, but mm-hmm. that's how like he was stellar. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of that Stone Cold run was after the Nick injury. So you're at you're at Stone Cold or Steve Austin at 75 percent. He was still one of the best. Yeah. So it's just the man had a clinic against who? Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. Bash the Beach 94. Mm -hmm. And their matches on TV leading up to that were. He had great tag team feuds that the small time that they were champions or running up to the championship together. The matches were great. Simple tag team psychology of turning the refs around and just being slimeballed, cheating bastards behind their neck against all the faces or even against Anderson and and Flair. Mm -hmm. Like, it's brilliant stuff. It's brilliant stuff. And everybody saw that and said, no, we're not going to give him a championship. Huh? Well, because and you and you have to understand the climate too. Um, he had to battle all the Hogan's guys because this is the beginning of the great That's true, Hogan yeah. migration coming in because uh, Flair was still on top. He had Flair Steamboat, and this is the beginning of the, the the Dangerous Alliance was on its way up, and he had established himself as a singles. And Austin even said this himself when they were giving him a singles push. And they had him beating Jimmy Garvin, and they had him beating Michael Hayes, and they had him beating Bobby Eaton. And it's like I watched—I used to go to the arena, you know, when I didn't have any money to watch Jimmy Garvin and Michael Hayes at the Sportatorium. You know, I couldn't lace Bobby Eaton's boots, and now they're asking me to go over this guy. And then with Ricky Steamboat, so he was getting an education. So by the time he was at the top, because Steamboat had just gotten injured. Austin went over and became the United States champion and he established himself as the best worker in WCW period. And then here comes Hogan's buddies. And next thing you know, Austin is losing his United States championship. They beat Ricky Steamboat, one, if not the greatest worker of all time for, and he's losing to Hacksaw Duggan in eight seconds because it's Hogan's buddy. My easy way to point it out. Slambury 93, the main event is Vader and Flair. Yeah. Slambury 94, the main event's Hogan and the Booty Man or whatever the hell. Yeah. Um, um, what's his name was called at the time? That's that's the breakdown. Yeah. Uh, can I have breaking news, so let's finish up the wrestling historian okay. with whatever you got. Like, finish up whatever you're going to do, and then I have breaking news. And also on this day in sports history. <laughs> Which has not been mentioned at all before this very moment. <laughs> March 2nd, 1962, 60 years ago today, the person who wore this jersey, Wilton Norman Chamberlain, 
scored a record 100 points in an NBA game, 36 for 63 from the field, 28 for 32 from the free throw line, 59 points in one half. All of those records will have, have been and will never be broken. All done in 48 minutes. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. 100 points, 59 and a half, 28 at the free throw line. Also grabbed 25 rebounds. The single greatest achievement in sports history. The single greatest one day uh, record in the history of sports that was made by this man from Overbrook High School. Went to school with my mother, but no, we—he's uh, not my daddy. That you know of. I no, I—I've seen your daddy. Trust me, you are your father's son. Spit <laughs> and forget image, both of you. <laughs> so that, ladies and gentlemen, is wrestling and the sports historian. I—that uh, arena is still standing in in Hershey. Uh, Hershey for those who don't know. Uh, it was not at the Philadelphia Arena or the Civic Center. Uh, it was when they were playing some of the home games in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And they still have the floor somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they have very uh, a big, huge thing commemorating the 100 points at Hershey Park Arena. It's still there. Yeah. And uh, it smells like history in there. Because uh, just a side note, not only do you have that night, but you have, quite frankly, probably one of the most dominant hockey teams in the history of hockey, even though it's a minor league. Uh, the AHL's Hershey Bears. They yeah. play right across the parking lot um, in a new arena, but they still have games at Hershey Park. You can walk right in and tour it. I've been there. It, it smells like history. Um, breaking wrestling news. Yes. AEW is purchasing the assets of Ring of Honor. Wow. Is this over the wire? Is this just happened? This is this is uh, over the wire, on Twitter, on the news, on the show. Uh, moments ago, on Dynamite, it was announced that Tony Khan has agreed to acquire the assets of Ring of Honor Wrestling from Sinclair Broadcasting. Thank God, by the way, the lesser of two evils, in my opinion, for obvious reasons. Um, including promotions, extensive video library, dating that 2002, brand assets, intellectual property, production equipment, and more. Now, don't know what this means for the wrestlers, um, but you have at least half of the AEW roster, if not more than half, who have history cemented inside of Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. So if it continues, even they've announced the show for April 1st, I don't know. I don't see Tony being that kind of guy. Uh, at least give them a farewell show. I, I don't know. I'm speculating completely hypothetical right now. But uh, you got 40 guys or more that have history cemented inside of Ring of Honor, and they now have all that footage. Yeah, and that means pretty soon we're probably going to have a, well, the Honor Club is still around, so I don't know what's going to happen to that, which is like WWE Network for Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe we can wash some of that stink off of uh, Diddles and any other sucky that came through there. But yeah, that just broke. Ring of Honor has been bought wow. by AW. Just got a sign on the dotted line. It is done. Okay. 
Well, this makes AEW a lot more interesting now. <laughs> Slightly. There's yeah. a lot that could happen. There's a lot of... Uh, I don't, you don't, this just happened. So maybe we can elaborate on it a little more next week, but. Most definitely. We get, we get more of the details and find out maybe this time next week, what their, what their plans are. If there, if there are any concrete, what they're planning to do with the, uh, a, with the ring about the library, which is extensive. Uh, I'm not saying anything, but you know, we just talked about a certain gentleman that again, has extensive history in ring of honor, no longer working for WWE. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying the timing's weird. Yeah. And sometimes it just works like that in wrestling. Yes. Not saying anything. But anyway, um, I think that's enough for one evening. I think I'm going to let you go watch this uh, annoying Sixers team probably pull out. They'll probably be winning by 22 by the end of the, uh, end of the uh, uh, game. Um, you know what's good, though? It's but- good to watch a Sixers team and not worry about it so much anymore. You know, yeah, because yeah. uh, we just get I, to the playoffs. I have a complicated history with doing this show while a Sixers game is on at night. So um, I'm going to let you get back to that and get some of your mojo <laughs> on it. So, Craig, where can people follow you and your heartburn about the Sixers? They can follow me in my agita at uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. At Craig Lagon, C R A I G L I G E O N S. And you can find me on Twitter also having heart palpitations, watching the Sixers and most Philly sports, except for the Flyers, where they just simply are just like, eh, anymore. <laughs> at DanLaw83, all social media platforms. Watch the live show at DanLaw.tv. If you're not watching, if you're watching live and you want to see the old shows, Go to youtube.com slash Danlaw83 for the highlights or go to your smartphone. If you have the, any podcast app that you have, type in the HIAC Talk Radio Network. Look for that brand new green, blue, and purple logo and subscribe and follow and uh, listen to the shows. For Craig Lagans, I'm Dan. Toodles. Keeping on the paper. <laughs>